Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Loved Podcast. Well, I hope you enjoyed our podcast from last week, especially recognizing that Jesus was anticipating disciples in the future, those who would become ones who loved Him and loved the Father, and that the joy of that was the love that's always in their heart would be experienced presently, relationally, tangibly, intimately, every day. Just so good. Loved sharing that. Pete was commenting about, wow, your energy level really got going there. Well, part of it, you guys, was because I had just really landed on that. It was so much fun to share it with you because it was just so fresh to me, too. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't hear it, please go back to last week. Because now, as we go forward in this, I just want to do the other half, as it were, of those verses where what I focused on last time was the fact that Jesus says, anyone or whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, will be loved by me, or the Father will love them. But within those sentences are these words about obeying or keeping his commands. Where again, that whole section starts off in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And then at the beginning of 14, 21, the verse we looked at last week, he starts off with whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And then 14.23, he says, if anyone loves me, they will keep my word. So it's very clear that when we love Jesus, that's the natural response. I mean, it's 1 John 4.19, right? We love because he first loved us. It's because of the overwhelming wonder of the degree to which he loved us in that act itself of the cross and the resurrection, etc. But it's the fact that that love that they've always had for us, that value for us, that affection for us because they value us, now we get to experience by the Spirit as they live within us every single day. And not just with words, but also that he would continue to show himself, make himself visible through actions. Well, so again, so when Jesus says this, that's the framework we've got to be thinking about because he even said in, remember, 1627, that he says, you have loved me. He says, the Father loves you because you have loved me. To the 11, they definitely loved Jesus. And so, in that sense, he's saying, look, I've loved you guys amazingly, and I know now that you love me. And so, we need to hear this, is that if you love me or anyone who has my commands and keeps them as the one who loves me, or if anyone loves me, they will keep my word. This is assumed that after our experience of his love, we will, in fact, love him. It would be impossible for us not to love him, as it were. So much so that even Jesus said that about sinners. Remember in, in Luke chapter 6, I think it's 31, 32, somewhere in there, but he says these words. You've heard me say them at times. What credit is it to you if you love those who love you? Because even sinners do that. I mean, that's the natural human response to being loved is you want to love back. What crazy if you love those who love you? Well, he loved us, and of course, the natural response is to love him back. So the assumption here is that we love him, deeply, truly love him. And I think all of us that are listening today, we would say, yes, he loved me and still loves me and loves me every moment of every day. Of course I love him. Well, at that point, all of us are familiar, different times we've talked about this too, the five love languages. It's great that you want to love somebody. But you ultimately want to love them in the way that's going to bring them most pleasure and most joy, not just loving the way you want to love. Remember, I've talked about whether you send flowers and just because you love flowers so much and you want them to love flowers, but they've got allergies. 
well, that's not loving to send them flowers, right? So it matters what you do, how you express that love to them, and that it's expressed in the way that will bring them the greatest pleasure and the greatest joy. So to a certain extent, once we've experienced Jesus' love, which actually in 1 John 5, 3, this is really cool, even there explicitly John says, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. We'll pick that up in a moment. But even there, he explicitly says, you really want to love God? Keep his commands. He says, if you really want to love me, here's my love language. Keep my commands. Well, I think for so many of us, it's like, really? Commands? I think there's just something inherent in us that that feels like Jesus is controlling or these commands are going to be hard or something that we don't want to do, that he just gives orders and okay, fine, I'll just obey you because I love you and I'll keep them because, well, that's what you really want, as though somehow perhaps that's going to be doing things that are not fun or not pleasurable to us. Okay, it's going to be really pleasurable to you, but, uh, you know, it's not going to be much in it for me. I don't know. Maybe you don't think that way. I definitely thought that way at times. It just didn't seem like, wow, that's your love language? Keep commands? Well, okay. Until we listen, and that's what I just said, when John said in 1 John 5, 3, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. And remember, a couple weeks back, when we did Matthew 11, 28 to 30, remember he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, which meant to be weary and burdened by the law. I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my teaching, my commands on you, and learn from me. First of all, because I myself am gentle and humble in heart, but most importantly is that what I give you is not burdensome. It's easy and it's light. So when Jesus says, if you really want to love me back, obey my commands. And even then, instead of just thinking in terms of commands, I think what he really would have is, if you really love me, do these things. Think about it that way more. It's like, here's the way you can love me. Do these things. Well, what are those things, Lord? He says, well, there's a number of things, but three things matter most because you do these three and everything else will take care of itself. Well, we know what those are, don't we? Love the Lord your God. Love God. And in so doing, I would say, likewise, love Jesus, love me, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love God with all that you are, all that you are. Love God. Well, that says with all that you are, but it doesn't give us specifics. But how do I love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? We're going to look at that in a second. Remember the second thing he says, love your neighbor as yourself, which I think his new command, and I need to be careful because, again, Paul reiterates, James does once, Paul does twice, that very command, love your neighbor as yourself. But I think overall... Jesus sort of added to or even superseded that by saying, no, what I really want you to do is love your neighbor, love one another, not as yourself necessarily, though that still works, but love your neighbor, love one another as I, Jesus, have loved you. And then the third thing is to love your enemy. Well, in each case, the question should be in our minds, okay, great. It's primarily those three things, love God, and you love my neighbor 
and love my enemy, who could also be my neighbor, who's acting like an enemy toward me, never mind others. Here's the thing again, based on even last week. All three of these are based on the fact that he has loved us first. That the way we are to love is to love as he has loved us first. And that we would want to do these things. That they would, and really, the, the more we reflect on how he has loved us first, it just should become a reflex, a, a second nature to us to love others these ways. Well, so again, love God. How? How do we love him? Love him in the way that he wants to be loved. To love Jesus in the way that he wants to be loved. But to hear particularly God. Well, heart, soul, mind, and strength, yes. And oh, by the way, actually, I think it's important. I've said it before, but I want to say it again, is that even when God gave this original command in Deuteronomy 6, it's the very first time he says, love the Lord your God, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He didn't ask them to do that without, through Moses, rehearsing for them the way that he loved them first. The main part is in Deuteronomy 4, beginning with verse 32, he says, Ask now about the former days, long before your time, from the day God created human beings on the earth. Ask from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything so great as this ever happened? Or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard, heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testings and signs and wonders, by a mighty hand and outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds, like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Besides him, there's no other. And because he loved He loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, and including you. He brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength to drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you and to bring you into their land to give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. You guys, God didn't ask for them to love him without reminding him. I loved you first so powerfully in such an extraordinary way. My hope is that it would be the natural reflexes. God, how can we love you back? And he says, well, first love me with all of your being, all of your heart, all of your thinking, all of your emotion, all of your decisions, all of your energy and passion. Love me. Yeah, but how? Well, it's actually the final session in the first love material where we talk about loving God in the ways that brings him pleasure because Paul actually explicitly told us to ask that question or he Well, he says, find out what pleases the Lord. I mean, in that sense, he's saying, well, how? Well, let's find out. Let's try to figure this thing out. Find out what pleases the Lord. And in that material, I go through specific verses that talk about things that we can do, where in the statement, it also says that God finds pleasure or delights in. So that especially this one passage, Psalm 147, 10 and 11, he says, I do not delight in the strength of the horse, nor in the legs of a man, but I delight in you. I take pleasure in you because you fear, which ultimately means to respect, to honor, because you fear me and because you put your hope, your trust 
in my unfailing love. So two of those things right off the bat that are exclusively ways to love God and no other is that because of who he is and his great, great love is that the natural thing is that you would trust him, hope in him, fear, honor, respect him. But then he also goes on to say that faith matters. Hebrews, it says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God and that we would love him with all our affection, that that Jesus wants us to set our treasure in heaven and, and our treasure on Jesus, that we can't have our affection on other things, but it should be solely on the Father. But remarkably, remarkably in that teaching, he also wants us to love him exclusively through worship, which one of the key things in worship is thanks and praise, which again is primarily for God and God alone. That, And I love thanks and praise because it, it presumes, it assumes that something has been done first for which you would give thanks or give praise. I mean, praise and thanks only make sense when something has happened first. It's a response, right? I love it. I love that this is a big part of worship is that you remember, you rehearse who he is and what he's done to which you go, yes, thank you. Yes, praise you. But then also the other part of worship is that we offer sacrifice. And he says, do not forget to share and do good, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Is that you recognize even in that, he says, you know, there's ways to love me exclusively, specifically, they're about me and for me alone. But if you really want to love me also, worship me by loving others. Share with them. Do good for them. Offer your life as a living sacrifice for them even as Jesus did for you. And love your neighbor. Matthew 7, 12, again, many of us, or I include myself with some of the scholars because it makes a lot of sense to me, but a number of scholars have argued that Matthew 7, 12, do to others what you'd have them do to you, is really what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. That's one way. And of course, we love our neighbors as Jesus has loved us. That's another explicit way with words and actions, right? And as we experience those words and actions, we love them the same way. But it's especially in Luke's gospel where the parable of the Samaritan is told that oftentimes most people don't recognize that that parable is there in Luke's gospel about the great command, loving God and loving your neighbor. At the end of which he says, go and do likewise. In this book that I have, I just want to read this to you because I felt like these guys did such a cool job of reminding how Jesus was the Good Samaritan to us first. They wrote, Jesus is the ultimate Good Samaritan. He loved God and loved others as we should, but haven't. Unlike the priest and Levite, Jesus didn't see his relationship with God as reason to avoid us as we lay in our sinful and broken condition along the gutters of life's highway. Instead, his close relationship with his father compelled him to cross the gulf separating God and humanity. Jesus went out of his way and humbly inconvenienced himself in order to love us. And his love was not mere sentiment. It was hands-on and came at incredible cost. He cared for our sorrows, not by wishing us well, but by making our sorrows his own. He healed our wounds, not by applying a superficial bandage, but by becoming wounded himself. And he paid for our sin, not with two denarii, but with his own blood. Because by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. 
You see, even in the Good Samaritan, it's not just an example that we just simply try to strive to do in our own strength. It's to be reminded that, no, Jesus was the most amazing Good Samaritan for us first. Well, finally, love your enemy, which there's that long passage there in Luke 6 that says it so well. Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. But it's not until the end that he says, then you will be children of the Most High. I think it's verse 35, 36. Then you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the wicked and ungrateful. So be merciful as he was merciful. You guys, ultimately what empowers us to love our enemies in those specific ways is because we were treated with kindness, mercy, forgiveness, patience, compassion. When you and I, as Paul said, were enemies, ungodly, and sinners toward God, when you and I were wicked and ungrateful, God came and loved us, cared for us, or even as we just heard, Jesus came and was the Good Samaritan on our behalf. When we were broken and sinful and wounded, he came to us and loved us so profoundly. So yeah, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my word. Friends, I think in the end, we just got to hear that, yes, Lord, we do love you because you first loved us. And there's nothing more than we want to know exactly how to love you back. Instead of hearing commands today here, just do these three things. For they sum up the law and the prophets. The law is fulfilled, Jesus said. Do these three. Love me, love your neighbor, love your enemy, even as I've loved you first. And in so doing, these are easy and light. They're not burdensome. And people will experience me through you. So Lord, we just pray, help us. Help us every day when we hear that word command that it would just be that simple. Love God, love our neighbor, love our enemy as we have been loved first. Lord, that's easy. It's light. It's rest for our souls. It's not burdensome. And so we ask you, Lord, help us because I believe all of us who are listening, we do love you. But help us to really, really, really want to love you in the way that loves you best, which is to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbor and love our enemy as we have been loved first. So to that end, Lord, we just say yes. We will love you in the way you want to be loved, with great joy, with great pleasure. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen. God bless you and have a great rest of the day.